This is it right here. This is the fucking song. <laughs> I love this song. It's like, oh, when you start thinking about silence, you're like really listening to it. It becomes so maddening. You're like, am I creating all these sounds with my head? Right. And like, do they exist? Do they? <laughs> like, you know, like the voice in your head, like, yeah, I can hear my own voice in my head. Mm-hmm. And so are those sounds, are those sounds like when we sit in silence, are they in your head or do they actually exist? I have a hard time believing anything I interact with in my life isn't entirely created in my head, if I'm being honest. Like, it's if somebody asked me, like, is Luke real? I'd be like, I have no way of proving that. <laughs> he says he's real. Right. But, like, I see it. Right. And I, can I trust myself? Absolutely not. Right. Yeah. That's why this song that's, that's is fucking, fucking sick. Okay. <laughs> We'll just get into it. Um, Wait for the pre-chorus. The pre- <laughs> movement too. It's a triptych. Right, right, It's right. in three movements. Oh, Welcome to Listen to This, a podcast in which we explore songs we like, we research what they mean, how they were recorded, why they were written, why we like them, and why you should listen to this. Um, today's not really a song. It's a piece of music or what maybe we would we would call a piece of negative music right, in the right. art world. Today we are talking about one of the most famous and controversial pieces of experimental music ever, which is John Cage's tremendous four minutes and 33 seconds. Yes. It was composed sometime in 1952 and is a three movement composition that consists entirely of the sounds of the environment in which the piece is performed. The musician essentially makes no sound. Right. Which is fucking crazy. Right. Yeah. I may have read this somewhere, and I could mm-hmm. be wrong. Didn't it, didn't they like act like they're about to play? Like yeah, they're in yeah. position. Parts there are parts on the score that are like it's for piano, right? But really for any instrument, there are parts on the score that indicate like a change in the in from movement one to movement two, right. and it's like it's like putting your hands on your lap, right? You know what I mean, right? right. And it's like uh, it's just crazy, like. Um, with this composition, like in a lot through his career, John Cage sought to challenge the accepted notions of what music is and what it could be. Right. Um, four, four minutes and 33 seconds was also a reflection of Zen Buddhism, mm. which I really like because- Is, is, it, like, is it because of the numbers? I mean, no, he was just really, John Cage was really into Buddhism, mm. especially at, at this time. And this idea of mindfulness right. informing music is really cool. Mm. And it's like, I, when I first found out about the song, I was like, oh, this shit is clever. Right. That was my initial thing. I was like, it's clever, but it's kind of like cheap because I was young and I like wanted music to just fuck me up. Right. You know what I mean? Like I I wanted guitar solos to just rip my face open. I was really into Boston. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) So like, I was just like, that's like John Cage. I was like, I remember learning in school. I was like, that's clever. Like in a music history class. Um, But as I get older, like I appreciate it more and more. Yeah. The idea of like, focusing your attention right that's really what this is about yeah because the idea is that in four minutes and 33 seconds of silence like there are actually quite a lot of noises you hear yeah right i don't know if anyone ever just sits there and closes their eyes and tries to count all the noises but i promise you will come up with a lot it doesn't matter where you are yeah don't do it while driving no uh in 1951 cage visited the Anachoic Chamber at Harvard University. Nice. You know what that is? Yeah, man. Did I pronounce it correctly? Yeah, I, I've heard it. I've heard it that way, and I've heard it anachoic. Anachoic. Let's go that. That yeah. sounds like when you pronounce something differently than how it's spelled, it makes you look smarter. So let's go that. <laughs> An anachoic chamber is a room designed in such a way that the walls and floor absor- absorb all the sounds. Yeah. So it's pretty soundproof. 
pretty I've fucking quiet. Oh yeah, what was yeah. it like? It is spooky. Yeah, right. <laughs> it is. You can hear the blood rushing through your veins. So, so that's exactly what he what helped him like inspire this piece. He yeah. said, "Quote: I heard two sounds, one high and one low. Yep. When I described them to the engineer in charge, he informed me that the high one was my nervous system and operation, yep. and the low one, my blood and circulation. Yeah. So he goes to this place of total silence, but he still hears things very clear. Yeah. And I think that really fired him up. And he said, "Quote: This is a great quote." Until I die, there will be sounds, and they will continue following my death. One need not fear about the future of music. Oof. So it's the, so this piece is about the impossibility of true silence. Yeah, like if you think about, so like the anechoic chamber is theoretical zero decibels. Right. The way decibels work is every 10, it's logarithmic, so every 10 is a mm. doubling in volume. For like the quietest place, like you like sitting in your bedroom and like quiet yeah. is around like 30 Which decibels. Is, that's that's pretty crazy because you think of that as like silence. Yeah. So yeah. 30. So you have to go, you have to do another halving and another halving and another uh, half. Like it's, it's what, 300 times quieter? Yeah, yeah. It's insane. <sighs> and it's like pretty discomforting because I don't think we really experience like silence like that. No. Yeah. And even when you are in the anechoic chamber, like you can hear your brain frequency. That's so fucking and weird. And you to think like, even just like in this room right now, like my brain is giving off like sound. Yeah, I know. Oh, you, you couldn't hear it earlier? I was too busy talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, this song premiered in upstate New York. Which I fucking love because we always we we make so many jokes about upstate New York. Yeah, I don't man, even, I don't know why. There's no place like upstate. It's New York. It's just part of the culture here at Dial Life yeah. Studio. <laughs> yeah, man, upstate New York. Yeah. Oh man, what a great place! It premiered in Woodstock. Nice. Cool. As part of a recital for contemporary music, it was performed by the great pianist David Tudor. Mm. The audience saw him sit at the piano, and to mark the beginning of the piece, he closed the keyboard lid. Sometime later, he opened it to mark the end of the first movement. This was repeated for the second and third movements. Amazing. People were pissed, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine if someone was like, oh, I spent, you know, $200 for these tickets. For sure. And it's like, and it also is like a joke. It seems like a cheap joke at first. Yeah, it's like kind of like he's like, yeah. am I being trolled? But check this out. Like the piece 433 like challenges social regiments of concert etiquette. Mm-hmm. So it experiments on an unsuspecting audience to prove a few points. Right. So this is really cool. Is this like, you know, like when the lights go out in the classroom and the girl screams really loud? Ki- It'd be funny. Yeah, kind yeah. of. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think one of the points was he is, I think John Cage has like a big sense of humor. Right. So I think like, and I think like most controversial experimental artists like to see people get fucked by their weirdness. Right. I, I, I just have to be honest there, but... Right. According to stuff, some stuff that I was able to research, it's like the first thing he was trying to choose is that the choice of a prestigious venue automatically heightens the audience's expectations for a piece of music. True. So uh, the more like hype behind a performance or how or like the more established the place in which it's performed, the listener is more focused. So that way, like this song kind of had the same amount of attention as it were like Beethoven's Ninth. Or like a Twitter post by Beyonce. It has the same sort of like social cachet. Um, Therefore, the reception of the work is already predetermined by the setup. Right. Which I think this is like a weird art thing to talk about. Yeah. But I think it's pretty real. Um, And then because they were in a concert hall, they had to quietly sit and listen. Yeah. Right. 
it's not like you watch 433 on YouTube. No, yeah. And you're like, what the fuck's going on? Or like in a bar. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I thought about starting to play. I almost played it the other day so I could drink wine for four minutes and 33 seconds and yeah. stuff. Um, basically, like, it's not, it's like impossible to get a big group of people to stay silent for that long. Yeah, I, I wonder, are, do people remain respectful or do people start like, yeah, you know, yeah. being people? Yeah, exactly. You know? But I think like collective silence is a really powerful thing. I mean, it's obviously been harnessed by like most world world religions and, yeah. and things like that. Because I can like already hear like there's like the one guy in the back doing like bird calls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and there's always like six old dudes coughing. Right. Like, yeah, have you ever yeah, gone yeah, to yeah. a symphony? It's like such a quiet part and it's like one dude. <laughs> <laughs> That was a real cough there at the end. <laughs> the second point um, that he made with this piece is about the duration in music, within music. And this one's really cool. He he said that um, music or duration is an essential building block of all music. Right. Right. Time. Right. So the idea is motivated by the fact that it's the only, like time is the only element shared by silence and sound. Hmm. So he called the underlying structure of any musical piece with like an organized sequence, he called it time buckets. Interesting. Which I think is a really funny way to describe like bar length or things a, like that. I have like a really weird hang up with time. Yeah, you, know, you don't like it. Man. Oh yeah. <laughs> Time's cool. I mean, it's just a perception, right? Yeah. It's like what we're talking about in the piece. Like there's no way to really, it's all, it's man, it's man made. And like, there's also no way to tell that other man made things aren't just made by me. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Inter- I don't know, man. It's so strange. <laughs> the interstellar thing with the tesseract and the time, like I just, I was just, it messed me up. I was like, man, I don't understand. Even the whole thing about with the, you know, they talk about where they take the watches on top of the mountain and one yeah. at zero, mm-hmm. and the, they they come back at different times. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Well, just obviously like, gravity affects time. We just don't have. We also just don't have like a real understanding of time. Like I'm, um, I'm sure like Neil deGrasse Tyson maybe does. Nah, nah. Like, but I definitely. Yeah. Don't. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He, well, has he put out any records? Any experimental music? He probably no. has, actually. There's um he he's been in the news for like he's really into like doing like movie like oh like this wouldn't happen in this movie because oh, of this right. and people get like all pissed off at yeah. him you know because it did happen in the movie that way what do you mean it didn't happen right. it's like movies are historical facts bro. <laughs> <laughs> do you not remember when Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum right. saved right. the world <laughs> do you remember when the mud dogs won the bourbon bowl yeah <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah uh, okay <laughs> so John Cage, John Cage was a student of Arthur Schoenberg, who's like the the atonal composition guy. Oh, cool, nice. So, um, like Cage, like in his spirit, like tried to make silence and the noise within silence like an integral part of music. So this is kind of a four thirty three is like a radical illustration of the concept. Yeah. So, like, what if time is the only necessary part of a musical composition? That's just over my head. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know when I'm out of my depths, man. Well, it's like, (laughs) listen, like this song, I think is like, it's like, it's funny to call it a song, right? Like it's a piece of music, but I think it's really just about what does music, what is music made out of and what does it do? Cause like the third, it's made out of perception, right? From the audience. That's what we went over. It's made out of time, the time anyone spends listening to it. And I think the third point of this work is that music is defined not only by its content, but also by the behavior it elicits from the listening public, right? This is like a fun thing to think about. And I'm sure we kind of touch on this. I'm sure everybody listening like thinks about this too. When you listen to a song, like you're not 
listening to it objectively right. at any point. Right. And part of your experience in the song has to do with you. Probably most of it, I would yeah. say. So I think that's a, that's kind of what this is like. Um, the audience felt cheated the first time they listened to it. I bet. But they were a part of it. They were part of the music with yeah. their feeling cheated, which is kind of funny. Yeah, like I wonder, like, did he do like a tour? Like, is it still played today? Yeah, it's, a, it's. I think it's more of a popular piece, like in the abstract. I I don't think people are like willing to spend for to to feel like they spend. They're like, pay, it's worth it to pay to like right, sit in right, silence. Right, right. Although things are changing now, like with that, like meditation and yeah. and mindfulness. Like, yeah, like all, exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. sitting in silence. Honestly, like with the way shit goes, like. Sitting in silence, that sounds pretty fucking great right now. Yeah. The song's coming it. back. Yeah, it's coming back. <laughs> it's going to be a big hit for yeah. um, Ed Sheeran and Khaled. Right. <laughs> There's still going to be a music video for Yeah, it, of course. Yeah. Just like, you Tons know. of hoes in this video. <laughs> John Cage was all those Woodstock. Oh, my <laughs> those God. Woodstock yeah, hoes. right, right. Oh, my God. Uh, well, yeah. this is a cool piece, like weird piece for us, but, you know. It's it's always worth to challenge. It's always worth it to challenge yourself as a music listener. I would say, like, you're you're not going to listen to a weird piece of music for ten minutes and hate yourself for doing it two years in the future. Right. You're always going to kind of think it's worth it. So, like, if, if there's something to take away from listening to this song or this podcast, it's just like keep trying to listen to new shit. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to this. Bam. Even if there's no sound. <laughs>